Brett, another episode of Float Your Boat. I love it. I love it. I love it. Today we have a wonderful guest on. How are you, by the way? Yeah, I'm good, George. And you're sounding great. Your new yeah. mic, the quality yeah. is way better. It, well, it's a, it's, a, it's, a big, it's a big black thing right, um, right under my nose. Um, and, I won't and, go there. And it sounds... Well, I guess I guess it makes me sound professional, which is great because the last few weeks have been a little, a little bit sketchy, haven't they? Has been a bit sketchy, but well, I think we've solved the problem now. It means you've got to stay at home in your bedroom with your doona and your new Yeti. Is it a Yeti? What type of mic is it? I know it was expensive when we bought it. It's it's a um, a Rode. Oh it's well, Rode. well, only the best will do for George Sabados. That's correct, 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 and. Speaking of only the best will do, today we have a, a personal friend of mine, Sheila, I, I call her Sheila V. Her name's Vijarasa. Uh, she might pronounce it a little bit different, differently, but uh, she's of Sri Lankan origin, but she's wow. a lovely woman. And uh, she's, she's, she goes by the moniker of empowering intuition. So let's, ex- let's explore that today. Okay, let's get her on, George. Here Richard. is today's episode with... Sheila V. Float Your Boat podcast about how everyday people created their road to success. The highs, the lows, pitfalls and potholes and how they overcame it all. And now, here are your hosts. Sheila V, welcome to our show. How are you? I'm well. It's great to be here, guys. Hi, Sheila. I'm Brett. I'm the good-looking, smart one. Yeah, the good-looking, smart one. Uh, the the guy that does all the all the the background um, administration and logistics and the whole lot. He's a real, really good organizer. You need someone like him on a team. Yeah, you sure uh, that, do. That's the last plug I'm going to give him. By the way, on this on this episode, especially the, a team as large as ours, <laughs> George now, and Sheila, I. Sheila, I, I've known you for a while now, and I still have. Um, difficulty just rolling your surname off off my off the tip of my tongue. So, would you like to give it a crack? Yes. So, it's Vijayarasa is my surname. It's a good quality Sri Lankan surname. Wow. Yeah. I won't try and repeat. Is that royalty? <laughs> is it connected to royalty? <laughs> it's great. So, tell tell us a little bit about your your background, a little bit more, like your parents. You know, when they come out here and. You know, where did you grow up? And, and tell us about how, what, um, you know, what led you to where you are today. I mean, that's a big question, but, but why don't we start with where did it all begin? My parents migrated to Sydney in 1975 and oh. I was born in 1976. And, you know, I'm part of that generation where my parents came to Australia with, with hopes and dreams. And, you know, they really wanted to create a better life for themselves. Mm. And, you know, I was raised with a really strong value set to work hard, to, you know, have great aspirations for myself, you know, to, to have a to have a really um, 
flourishing career, you know, my value sets were really based on success and, you know, turning up and looking a certain way in life. So I come from a really hardworking family. My father is now a retired doctor. My sister's a lawyer. And, you know, yeah. academic success was really important growing up. Did you yeah. grow up in Sydney, Sheila? I grew up in Sydney in the Sutherland Shire. Whereabouts? <laughs> I grew up in the Shire as well. In oh, Sylvania my. Waters. Sylvania Waters. Oh, my God, of course. I grew up in uh, Burrinier Bay. So oh, beautiful. Just down the road. Were you, were you the exotic one down there? Because I bet uh, you she was. Yeah. I lived down at Burrinier Bay, no, uh, Gunnamutta Bay yeah. um, for about a year, and I had to get out because I was considered, like, the odd man out. Yeah, you know, I definitely, you know, I think it's a bit of training in life to feel like the odd person out. There weren't that many uh, brown skin people living in the Shire. Uh, there it was a very Anglo-Saxon uh, um, demographic down there. And yeah. I had a lot of friends that were Australian. And to be honest, I've, I don't know about you, George, but I love the Australian way of life and the culture. I but I did feel caught between two worlds. Mm. I felt caught between being this Sri Lankan migrant child, which had to study and work hard, and just the freedom that comes a bit more with the Western culture and the Western lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. Look, it took me many years to embrace that and be comfortable with it because I didn't know which world I fit into. And then I thought, well, it's just my world. That's fine. It's yeah, all good. absolutely. And I think it's a more universal experience that we feel like we've got to be something or we've got to fit into one box. And as I've gotten older and awakened to my own intuitive abilities and we might come into that a little bit later, you know, yeah. the kind of work I do, there is no box. You know, I realised I don't fit into any box. No, well, you know, you know, we're getting, we'll get onto that subject in a minute, but I've got to tell you that just before, before we started the interview, Brett and I said, well, we're not going to ask you any questions because you know what we're going to ask. You're that intuitive, <laughs> yeah. right? So I'm going to uh, psychically tune in. <laughs> And you would be more of a free-flowing conversation. It would be pretty loose with you guys, so I'm in flow. That's good. Yeah, we, we don't have a, a particular structure and every interview takes a different path, so, you know, mm. it's fine. But we've now established that you're a shy girl, yeah. which yeah. is good, you know. So you grew up reading Puberty Blues and, and uh, you know, all that and meat pies and, and, and hot chips by the beach, you know, on a hot summer day. I sure did. I'm learned to surf later in life. Oh yeah, on right. a blue foamy now. Oh, are you? I've learned, I'm learning to surf. Whereabouts? At, whereabouts is that at? I, I'm surfing now on the northern beaches, which is great. Mm. I, said, mm. I said fresh water yesterday. Mm. Awesome. Well, wow. <laughs> awesome. exceptional, exceptional tan, Sheila. Exceptional. I, sure, I, I do, don't I, George? You do indeed. So tell us, um, uh, which you obviously were. I know what it's like to be be the, the the child of migrants who, you know, push their children to, you know, have a better life for themselves that they that the parents couldn't have. Yeah, were your parents much the same? I think my parents were the same, and I think it's a real universal experience as a migrant to a country. There's there's a survivor mode you end up going into, and you're here to create a new life for a whole new generation to come mm. and the experience is is you know we need to have be financially strong we need to you, know, you tend not to have a big extended family we didn't when I was young my first set of next door neighbors were my godparents and the That's second right. set of next door neighbors my sister's godparents because we didn't have family so there's kind of natural things that can support you to flourish in life you don't have that 
So you, I guess my the, the situation was a little bit more of surviving financial stability and financial stability quite often is predicated on education. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a more predictable life. It's the safer route, you know, it's becoming an accountant, an engineer, a lawyer. I mean, you might be called to do that kind of work, but if you're not, what does life look like when, you know, uh, success looks like a certain way, but in your heart, you're thinking that's maybe not the path that I really want to take. Mm. So I definitely grew up with a family and there's a lot of fun and freedom and, and so much love. But in terms of my own personal calling, it wasn't quite in alignment with maybe where my family wanted me to go or my culture um, that I was surrounded by. So when you finished school, Sheila, you went, did you go to university? Yeah, I did really well at school. Like I got, you know, a, a super high TR. I got a scholarship to do accounting right. at university. Wow. So, and what high school did, did you go to Endeavour High? No, I actually went to MLC. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. So, so you so you finished school and you went to university and yeah. did all that stuff. Reading your bio, um, you talk a lot about um, your anxieties, uh, and I'm assuming that that's uh, discovering or figuring that out is what led you to what you're doing now. So, to t- maybe tell us a little bit about when that watershed moment was. I, I first suffered. Um, anxiety and depression when I was 12 because I, 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 I became acutely aware that, and this is my own story because life is full of our own stories, it's not reality, that I, I, to be loved and accepted I had to do really well um, in school. So I studied really hard at, in grade six because I felt like I had to do the best in school to be loved and worthwhile. And then a very terrible thing happened. George and Brett, I ended up ducksing the school. Wow. And that was terrible. That was it was terrible because it set up a set pattern. A bar. Yeah, right. It set a pattern in my life that to be loved, I have to do very well. So I went through high school exceptionally well. And then I got a scholarship to university. And the problem with perfectionism and being a high achiever, you're rewarded for it in, in <laughs> commonly. Right. So it begets more perfectionism. And um, so the watershed moment actually only came when I had my spiritual awakening about seven years ago right. in my late thirties, my mid thirties. And where I looked at the life I'd created over two to three decades. And I thought, this isn't the life I want. I, I became a finance director. I'd done an MBA. I was leading large finance and operational teams. And there was this thing in my heart, which was, this is not, that this is not the destination. This is not what you're meant to do with your life. So the watershed moment break actually came a lot later because I think I personally had to be in pain for many years before I woke up. So can you can you describe that feeling in that in that earlier stage when you knew something was not going according to plan? Did it cause you to be depressed? Did it cause you to be like how did it manifest itself? It manifested as more and more a low-level anxiety. I'd wake up in the morning feeling dissatisfied with my life. And then what I proceeded to do was make myself very busy. So I became really obsessed with exercise. I started to go out and drink a lot more. And, you know, when you've got, when your intuition and your voice of your soul, my my intuition was saying, this isn't what you're meant to do. Because I love tarot cards. I loved astrology. 
I grew up in a house where we talked a lot about spirituality and I always kept that on the side as this hobby. Mm. And so because I wasn't honouring this part of myself, I had to keep myself busy because the noise in my head was saying, what are you doing? You know, are you really happy? And, um, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd sit at work at my desk bored, you know, I wasn't lit up by my job. And the thing is, I didn't really know what life felt like to be lit up. So mm. looking back now, I was suffering from low level depression, anxiety, but I wasn't even aware that I was. That it was, was just, normal. Just that normal was normal for me. State. Yeah. Wow. So, so um, you know, with that, <clears throat> with that, usually comes a whole host of other issues like um, eating disorders and stuff like that. Did you ever have any of those issues that you had to deal with as well? I didn't actually have eating disorders, but I had more of obsessive <clears throat> compulsiveness. So I'd I'd I'd, I'd run long distances and I would I would exercise a lot and I became a bit more and I and I'd fill up my social calendar and I'd go from party to party or activity right. to activity. So I, I channeled my energy into into a bit into a busy, busy life. Because when you're busy, you don't have to get in touch with your emotions. And that's what I did. And now a word from our sponsors. Hi, it's Gino from Bondi Broker. In today's changing times, the importance of health and financial security has never been more important. At Bondi Broker, we work with you to improve your financial security by offering free financial health checks, assisting in reducing your debt, and gain competitive rates to improve your cash flow. Bondi Broker gets you in the best financial health so you can focus on what matters most. Visit our website today for your free consultation at bondibroker.com.au. So I had a road of trials. You know, it's a bit of a cluster of... Mm -hmm you know it's when, when it's when disaster hits your life and it's not just in one area so for me my road of trials was four different events that completely dismantled my life so the universe set up a course correction mm -hmm. so I broke my toe walking it was in early January in a summer's day in Sydney I broke my toe then my relationship suddenly ended then my apartment flooded that's a good one. Then good my one. then I got fired from my job, and this all happened in about six weeks window. Wow. So my what? whole life, all the foundation, including the foundation, you think about it, of my property was removed, and so everything had to be removed for me to have a good hard look at my life to rebuild it. And I call this in my book a road of trials, which is which is um, a, a common term. Joseph Campbell talks about it, the road of trials. And it set me up to have what is called a dark night. So I call it the dark night of courage because then I sat and it was, and a dark night of courage is more than a depression. It's really a transformational experience where I had to look at my life at everything that wasn't working and, and, and start to transform my, my inner world, my thoughts, and to start to make different choices in my life. So it was precipitated by, you know, a period of time that was really uncomfortable, Brett. Mm. Well, I mean, they're, Sheila, they're, they're usually manifestations of, you know, thoughts that you've had in the preceding months and years. So what kind of stuff was going through your head to manifest those kind of those occurrences back to back? Yeah, I love that question. That's such a great question, George. So I had just come back from the Arthur Finlay College, okay? So the Arthur Finlay College is a mediumship college located in England where you study spirituality to become a medium, 
we can discuss that a bit more uh, in a second. Mm -hmm. And I came back convinced this is my new way forward. I thought I'm I'm going to study spirituality and step into a new career. And I was conflicted because I was the head of finance in a really large company. And I thought, how do you do two things? So the thought I had every day as I turned on my computer was I'm not doing what I'm meant to do. I wish I was doing my soul calling. I wish I didn't have this job. And I thought that thought every day once I got back from the college and then literally four or five weeks later, I was fired. So that thought created the ending of the job because I, I, and I, when I thought that I thought it was such conviction, I was like, I don't want to be here. I wish I wasn't in this job. I hate this job. The universe certainly sorted that one out. Yep. The universe listened to my order. I Mm. put in an order, please take this job away. But you you went from being a high flyer, probably, you know, a a very decent professional with no reason for for the bosses to fire you. And within a short period of time, they fired you. What what was showing up for them uh, during those four weeks? You know, synchronicity, the universe will create synchronistic events to, to create the opportunity for you. So when I reflect back, a whole lot of processes and actions were already put in place to ensure that this job ended at by a certain time right. because after my job ended I, I I was unemployed and I had no will to, to go and look for another job I started to look on seek I started to call recruiters and I could feel in my voice and my heart I just was not you know con, you know convinced that this is the next step so I created a website I sat and thought what am I what services am I offering? You know, uh, it, it was 101 of starting a business. And that's back then I started my spiritual business. In four weeks, I created a website. I started to tell people these are the services I'm, I'm offering. So to answer your question, George, it wasn't even really important how I got fired. I was really hung up mm. on, on, on all the wrong that had happened to me. And then months later, I completely saw the gift and I was being saved from my small life. How long ago was that? That was at least seven years ago. Right. Yeah. So you've been on your new path for seven years. And that's a great question, Brett, because I did that job. I, I had my business as a medium and a psychic reader and I was doing all the fairs and it was a really fantastic time. And then the universe said to me on some level, you're ready to go back to corporate. You're not finished yet, but perhaps now you can do both. Right. So. So another synchronistic event happened where I got offered, it's very hard to find a role in publishing, but an opportunity came up to be a CFO in a publishing house. Wow. And that was the role I always wanted. Right. I always wanted to be a you know, finance director in publishing. I'd worked in publishing for 15 years. So this opportunity came. I didn't even have to search for it. And then I took the role as CFO. And at the same time, I was offered to go on Psychic TV and do live psychic readings on um, Channel 7, on a live Australian television show. Really? Yep. And it was another fork in the road moment where I think, oh, no, I've got to choose. Like the universe is testing me again. Do I take the finance role or do I do this and continue on my spiritual path? And I sought the advice of a lot of people and someone very plainly said, why do you have to choose? Can't you do both? And that set me up for the next three years of doing two different jobs and growing my spiritual business 
and also, you know, um, saving money, still enjoying the corporate world, but with a lot more balance now and a lot more meaning. So um, I didn't, so I definitely continued on my path of spiritual knowledge, teaching, doing more readings for clients, but it was also with balance now. So I did return back to the corporate world and I would be shown years later why that's important because now as my book comes out, and I've written programs, I'm actually returning to corporate, like to corporate Australia and teaching them how to use their intuition. Isn't it funny, isn't it funny with, um, with the benefit of hindsight, we can see that every, every moment was perfect. Oh, um, I'm excited. Yeah. Exactly. Every moment was perfect. But can I, can I ask you, I mean, you talk about your, your spiritual connection and, uh, you know, being psych- psychically tuned in, um, when did you discover that you had these elements within you? I think a lot of answers uh, reside within our childhood. And I grew up with a mother who had very natural psychic and mediumship abilities. My mother would dream of the future events quite often. Wow. As a child would ask her, you know, on exam mornings, mom, did you have a dream? Did you have a dream? It was just a childhood question. We'd sit and talk about our dreams over breakfast um, so it, it was never odd. And I, and I've got a story about this in my book around how our childhood, um, there's a lot of answers to our destiny lie in our childhood, what we were good at, what we studied, what our parents knew a lot about the gifts yeah. that lie within our ancestors. So it was really natural. I always loved astrology. I would read astrology books just, just for fun when I was a child And, you know, my intuition, I've had many strong intuitive moments um, through my life. And I've got some stories about that in the book around, you know, even just regarding my safety or regarding, you know, being in the right place at the right time. And so there's always this innate knowing. I only formally stepped into understanding my intuitive abilities after I had my dark night of the soul. And I went and studied this in in a workshop. And under a teacher, like a spiritual teacher, she she shared with me and she kind of um, really showed me what my gifts were. And no one had really done that before. Mm. So it's maybe like always knowing you can sing and then having a singing teacher come and explain, wow, you can reach this note, no one can, or you're actually meant to be an opera singer. Do you, know, do you realise you can do X, Y, and Z? Like you know you can sing, but you don't really see the potential. So I had this teacher that just shared with me, you're, you're really gifted and we've got to just start developing you. So, yeah, that was really the process for me. Yeah, right. I mean, I, you know, so, but, the, but then how did you put that into action? I mean, you, you said you, you got fired from your job and within four weeks you had a website set up and you were starting to, you know, offer your services. I take it that, you know, in those four weeks you actually got over the fact that you, um, you know, were fired and you were, did it sit comfortably with you to transition into that role? Yep. So I'd been sitting in a development circle, like a psychic development circle, for about a year by that stage. Mm -hmm. Every Wednesday night I'd sit with this group of women and we would practice exercises together and we would do mini readings on each other and the teacher would teach us esoteric concepts and knowledge. And I was also doing a lot of reading at home and this is a time before podcasts and a lot of information like we have now. So I was reading old school books. And so my confidence was building because I was getting weekly feedback that I had strong abilities. And at some point, George, 
I had to take a leap of courage. It's where self-belief meets faith meets courage, where you leap and you think, I know I've got a lot of gifts and abilities um, and I actually need to do something with it. So that's what the leap of courage was. And I personally believe the universe dismantled my life at the right point when I was ready to start working. So I was resisting working professionally because I was embarrassed about what people would think. I thought I can't, you know, I don't want to not earn money. I don't want to give up my job. I've I've done an MBA. I've worked so hard to get here. And the universe did a massive course correction and said, no, you've studied enough. You know what you're doing. It's time to work. And it's a strong force, isn't it? You can't you can't beat it. No, it's 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 like a cyclone. It's it's a force <laughs> that you, if you try and swim upstream, you're not going to go anywhere. So Sheila, is your mother and father still alive? They are. So your mother had that intuition as well. So how do they feel about what you do now? My parents are incredibly supportive. You know, I guess all parents get to a point, and 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 kids too, where you just want each other to be happy and to found their place in the world. So my parents are incredibly supportive. I think the, the journey for myself and my family has as me has been one where I've probably been a bit more of the black sheep of the family. And that's what I called myself. And it's to have um, a member of the family that's a little bit different. Mm. And that's been my own journey as well because I haven't liked being different. Right. You know? And I've I've been uncomfortable with not fitting in. And our outer world is a reflection of our inner world. So I've created a lot of um, unrest by my own discomfort and my own feeling of am I good enough? And in terms of, you know, me doing this unorthodox um, type profession now, they're really supportive. I think we have a lot of conversations around how it works and the kind of work I'm doing. And it's been a journey for my family and I to heal together. Do you believe that everyone has the the ability to be psychic or tune into what you tune into? Absolutely. I think everyone has psychic abilities. And I'll use the analogy of singing. Technically, I, le- I learned piano, um, jazz piano, to a decent level. And I would say to my teacher, I can't sing. And he'd say, everyone can sing. And we established I could I could hit four notes well on the piano. <laughs> so I can't, I couldn't hit an octave, but I could do four notes. So I think everyone is psychic. How psychic they are depends on their innate gifts and how willing they are to practice. I think everyone has a a gut feeling story. Everyone has that story in their life where the intuition told them something quite remarkable. And when they listened to it, they, they got quite an interesting outcome. So I think everyone's psychic. I'm not sure if everyone's a medium. I don't know if everyone can speak to the other side. I think everyone is psychic because on some level it's your psychic ability that's helping you to tap into your intuition, which is connected to your higher self mm. to make to take you forward in life. So your intuition is your guiding light and it is fundamentally a psychic ability. So like singing or like music, do you think um, that gift that you have, there's an X factor there? Like everybody has that ability but obviously like singers there's amazing singers that have a natural gift Mm. um, and then there's singers that work really hard to achieve that goal 
Look, I think there is an X factor. I've, I've inherited these abilities from my mother's side of the family, but that's been also combined with a lot of hard work. So I studied at the Arthur Finlay College three times. I flew to England in one year wow. and we sit for a week and every day for about eight hours, we would channel through and do exercise after exercise. And then I would sit in development circle every week. And then I would, you know, with, with early on in my um, business, I would do free readings or very cheap readings to try to practice. So definitely I had this X factor and these abilities, but without hard work, dedication and persistence, these would not, these abilities would not have developed. No, it's like a muscle. It can be, it can be trained because, you know, I mean, as a, as an outsider, you know, I, I think to myself, well, how can you, how can you teach psychic abilities like how how can you turn something that's quite ethereal into a formalized course well i had to actually look back to reflect on how my own gifts work and how we do connect to the other side i've been lucky i've had great teachers teach me so i use a lot of their techniques Mm -hmm. and i've brought in my own flavor so the first thing i teach is connecting to your spirit guides and your spirit team you know, I'm pretty insistent on, on some sort of strong meditation practice. I teach how the different clear abilities work. So most people refer to a psychic as clairvoyant. And clairvoyance is a French word and clear means um, clear and voyance mm. means seeing. So mm. clairvoyance is just clear seeing, but it's one of the many clear abilities. So we have hearing, feeling, knowing, and I've just created um, exercises around how these different abilities work and mm. when i teach we practice them so um how long has the book been out sheila it's coming out in may oh it's right? coming out oh it's not out i thought it was out well, it's, it's a lovely looking book by the way it's, it's yeah, beautiful it is. isn't it and, and it's very thick too so you actually can string like a lot of words is <laughs> like me thick like me yes, it's seventy thousand words if you ever said to me i'd write seventy thousand words I'd wow never so what That's was the inspiration? What was the inspiration for the book, Sheila? Tell us a little bit about that because you know, I mean, is it true that everyone has a story? Oh, 100%. Everyone's got at least one book in them. And I worked in publishing for 15 years, so I've read a lot of manuscripts and books. Right. And I think uh, the medicine that we have for ourselves is the medicine for the world. So, you know, I everyone has a book in them. I had a book in me, and I wrote the book for women that are in my boat. And this is a book I wish was written for me many years ago. So when I had my spiritual awakening and when I many years ago um, felt lost and confused and, you know, having a lot of issues in the corporate world, not able to manner, manage my, um, my emotions or my stress levels or anxiety, uh, purely because I was not quite honouring myself, I wish there was something I could have read. So I wrote this book as an answer to those kinds of questions and to help people, you know, address their blind spots. So there's a pathway in the book I call the courageous path, and it's the path of walking your life authentically. And I take women on this journey. And men. And men too. It is primarily for women. But yeah. men, if, you, if you're listening to this podcast, it could be a book for your daughter or your sister or your wife. Well, there's a message there. And you wouldn't have, and you wouldn't have written that book if one existed when you were going through your trials and tribulations. So uh, it's amazing. Yes, I mean, in some ways, I had to walk the path first to help people walk the path. And it's interesting because I thought my life has a lot of color in it for sure, 
but it, it didn't have sort of all the answers. So I've actually interviewed 19 women and their story, they lent, they've lent their stories to this book. And I'm very grateful for that. So there's a lot of different types of examples and anecdotes. Mm. So there's, there's a real lot of relatability around the challenges you may experience in life and a lot of wisdom and insights that these women have also shared. Okay, so, yeah, I'm going to flip through my book and see what pops out. But the first thing I'd say is tired women do not wake up to their purpose. Yeah, right. I ask the question, how tired are you? And mm. are you awake to your purpose? A lot of mothers out there that, that would resonate with a lot of mothers out there who, who are holding down a professional job as well. Absolutely. Another piece of wisdom is who is in your soul tribe? Are they supporting you? And if you do not have a soul tribe supporting you in your life, mm. it's time to find one. Mm. And there's a chance that your soul tribe may not be your family. What's and a soul tribe? Friends. What's a soul tribe? A soul yeah. tribe is a tribe of men and women around that are helping you with your soul growth, with your purpose work, with your evolution, with fundamentally the challenges you're experiencing in your life. You're not meant to do a life alone. Mm. You know, we're not meant to... We're not meant to overcome our challenges alone and we may not have every answer within. So we might need to lean on the wisdom of others around us that have walked a bit further in life, a bit further along the path. So you've got to find them. You've got to find these people. And quite often they may not quite be just near you at the moment. And you might be getting advice from people that aren't quite in alignment with your values and beliefs. So they may not be in your soul tribe anymore serving you. So a question you've got to ask is, who's in my tribe? Are they serving me? So in business, you'd call that mentors, right? Coaches, counsellors, therapists, healers. I think and you have to review the list like all the time, right? You, and this is a great another piece of wisdom, you review the list consciously, but I also allow synchronicity to bring new people in. Mm. That, that, you know, um, need my help or I need their help. And quite often it's a pretty good exchange. Quite often it isn't just a one-way street. You know, quite often you'll be called to help somebody going through a breakup or a divorce or mm -hmm. a job loss. At the same time, you might be going through something else. Mm. So it's be pretty reciprocated. I think, uh, I think, George, you've been going through a bit of that of late, um, looking for your soul tribe. Um, and I think our podcast, funnily enough, is headed in that direction as well. We've been talking for the last month or so about shifting our focus with the podcast to more inspirational leaders, uh, et cetera. Yeah. Um, interesting how that sort of shifts, doesn't it? And suddenly here you are. Yes, but she knew that. She knew that well in advance. I sure did. And, and, she, knows, and she knows what's coming. <laughs> and even, George, how... You know, we've known each other for over a year. I knew you had a podcast and you had a book, but it was divine timing. It's the timing of the universe that's brought us together right now to create this. So there is something quite magical. When people are very impatient, they're trying to rush. Mm -hmm. I always say to my clients, my students, divine timing, it will happen and at the right time me. and the spark's right. So just wait. What's that, yeah. what's that great joke? How do you make God laugh? You tell him your plans. <laughs> well, Sheila, that's, 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 that's very true you know that is that is so true people like spend their lives trying to force outcomes and and they just don't come the the, the outcomes don't happen and all they do is exhaust themselves 
Well, there's a, yeah, sorry, John. No, go on, no, go on. Uh, so tell, I mean, that that's so, such a strong message. Even I, you know, and I've, and I've forgotten that many times over and I was reminded again not, not that long ago that, that you, you, what, remarkable things happen when you take your foot off the accelerator. Absolutely. You know, God stands for grand organised design. And there's a piece in my book that's, that talks about if you actually give up your plans, then I'm going to be perfectly honest, probably aren't that magnanimous. <laughs> you might be thinking you've got a pretty grand plan. If you give up what you think is a grand plan, absolute miracles that would blow your mind would actually turn up. So if you said to me all those years ago, I'd be a spiritual teacher, I'd write a book, you know, I'm potentially going to have a US book deal. Um, there's, there's, you know, there's, there's um, European countries interested in translating my book into foreign language. You know, I'm speaking to so many interesting people now. If you said all that awaited years ago, I wouldn't have believed you. It wasn't part of my plan. My plan was much smaller, myopic, and based on much more limiting beliefs around me and within myself. So when I gave up my plan, I personally think miracles turned up. So you let go, in other words. I was given no choice but to let go, and that's when I went through those road of trials, when I lost my job, lost my mind, broke my toe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like I had to let go. I had to let go. And, and it doesn't need to be that way, Brett. You don't have to go through a road of trials. But if you can feel the universe is nudging you to let go, I, 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 I mentor women to start letting go because I held on white knuckled. It got worse for me. I, th- I think oftentimes with people, uh, they don't know how to let go, right? They, like how, how do you do that? I know it sounds easy. You just let go, but it's not that easy, is it? I recommend reaching out for a mentor or a coach. So years ago, mentors and coaches weren't, weren't common as they are now. And everyone's really stepping up to help others. So mentors and coaches isn't isn't a fad. It's it's a whole wave of, of men and women that have stepped up in their consciousness to now serve. So years ago, I wished I'd worked with a counsellor, a coach, a mentor, a teacher of some kind to help me. But I was too arrogant and too egoic and thought, I've got this. Mm. I'm doing my life my way. So my recommendation is to reach out for somebody. If you're not conscious enough and friends are telling you to, or if you're a friend of someone, encourage them to start getting support. Because what I needed was someone to show me all my blind spots. And that really is someone that can see the blind spots. So the letting go is someone guiding you to let go. And that that for me is that the best recommendation is to is to have someone guiding you along the way to to support you in the letting go process fundamentally only you can let go and the universe will make sure that you do one way or another <laughs> yeah but of course of course you you've you obviously um fulfill that role for others yes where you guide others oh, absolutely then, because yeah. of what i've been through personally i step in now to help a lot of women and men to manage the transitions in life. You know, we're not really equipped to transition. And this isn't just about between puberty or between getting married and having children. Within those periods, we're growing, you know, really rapidly. Even the consciousness of the planet's really lifting fast. COVID was a great spiritual awakening. 
you know, we all had to look within in 2020 at everything that wasn't working in our life because we could not be distracted with consumption or with socialising or with any kind of external pleasure that was going to take us away from introspection. So it was a great spiritual awakening. So, you know, it's a time now where, you know, we're all serving each other much more. It is a time where uh, we're being supported to transition more and, um, you know, to step more into the path that's going to serve it. So, Sheila, if people want to get in touch with you because they've decided we need Sheila as our mentor (laughs) or our, you know, our guide, uh, how do they get in touch with you? So just reach out to me via my website, which is www.sheelab.co, and that's S-H-E-I-L-A, um, or reach out to me on Facebook. Well, that sounds good. What a great way to finish our interview with you, and um, thanks so much for giving us your time, really, and, and you are an inspiration, which is amazing. Thank you, Brett. Thank you, George. It's been yeah. wonderful being here. Thank you for, for, being, for being generous. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Sheila.